0: Hi, everybody. I'm Jason Cusick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey of Faith, and if this is your first time with us, or maybe you were here with us last week, you've come back for week two, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, So glad that you're here. One thing to know about us, we're a multi-campus church, so right now we're connected with our Torrance campus on uh, Lomita Boulevard, so hi to everybody at our Torrance campus, and also if you're watching us online, great that we can be connected like this. Today we're in week two of a five week series of messages that we're calling positive influence. And the idea is how can we be a positive influence in a world that's so negative? And we're all influencers, we're all leaders in one way or another. So how can we be influential in the right way? So to talk about this, what we're doing is we're looking at a man who is a relatively unknown person who suddenly became the most influential leader in history, and that's Jesus. And we're looking at vignettes of Jesus' life to see what principles of influence we can learn for ourselves and implement into our lives. Uh, These are the five uh, influence principles that we're looking at, and in addition to what we do here on Sundays... We have some uh, additional resources that we're putting out on social media, uh, some videos, some great articles to read that are tied in and related to these principles. We have some book recommendations. We also have group discussion material that can be really helpful if you want to process some of what we're talking about uh, with friends or family. Last week, we talked about character and the importance of understanding the power that we all have and using that power in the proper way in our relationships. Today we're going to talk about this topic, resolve. Just this last week I was reading several articles about the fires in Maui, and I think living in California, like that's that's uh, we can all relate to fires. It's, it's a season in California. It's a fire season, and some of you have experienced some of the the trauma and the the effects of fires, even in our area. One particular article that I was reading talked about how firefighters are dropped into forests to fight the fires from the inside, and at times they will run. Into walls of fire, and that that threw me off. I was like, "What is going on here? How, how does that work?" And I love learning about that stuff. So I want to find so I wanted to find people that had lived experience. So I talked to two former firefighters in our congregation, and I said, "Tell me about this idea of being dropped into the forest and then running." right into fire, and both of them had had experience doing that same thing. Both of them, I talked to them several times, they both said, let me help you understand two things about fighting a forest fire from inside the forest. They both said, one thing is if you stand still too long, it's not the fire that is dangerous, it's the toxic gases and smoke that are dangerous. So you only have a limited amount of time while a fire is approaching for you to do something, for you to act. If you stand still too long, it's unhealthy. The second thing they said is, when a fire is advancing, you can't outrun a fire. The best thing you can do is run right into the wall of fire. And I, I my ignorance of the whole thing, I was like why is that the best thing to do? And he said, well, because there's no fire on the other side of the fire. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about it. It's a wall of fire, but it's all safe over there. It's burned up. You just got to get through it. Now, I'm not a firefighter. I don't want to be a firefighter. I've never been a firefighter. And so I'm not planning on running through walls of fire in my life. But I did go away from that conversation thinking about, kind of the symbolic wall of fire in my life, there have been times where there have been decisions that are coming my way. That there was that career move, that project at school, that difficult conversation I have to have with that friend. There are times where I've had to recognize that my spiritual life is not going the way that I think it should go. And there is that decision to make. And sometimes I remember myself kind of standing stationary like, well, I hope something happens. Or maybe I'll just wait for something to happen to me. And I thought, perhaps me standing still when a decision is right in front of me is actually unhealthy for me in the long run. Perhaps what I need to be doing when there is that decision in front of me, that choice to make, that difficult circumstance, maybe the best thing for me to do is run right through it. Are there walls of symbolic fire in your life right now? A career change, a decision at work, a decision at school, a relationship choice. Maybe you know you need to get to that doctor's appointment and it is getting closer and closer or maybe you just went to that doctor's appointment and got some news and the news is rapidly in front of you. What would it mean, what would it be like to make the decision to go forward rather than standing still? That is what we're talking about today. That is what's called resolve. Here's a definition of it to decide firmly on a course of action, firm determination to do something. The most influential people in your life probably regularly practice resolve. And if you want to be a positive influence, if we want to be a positive influence. We need to develop a habit of moving forward through difficulty. In fact, that's our main idea for today. We can be a positive influence by pushing forward despite the obstacles. Let's look at a vignette from Jesus' life here. Here's where we can find it in the New Testament, Luke chapter nine. We talked about this Third book of the New Testament last week, the book of Luke. It was written by a first-century physician and historian who took it upon himself to document some of Jesus' teachings and life so that generations later we would have this reliable source that's preserved for us today, And what we're going to read today in Luke chapter nine is this moment of decision where Jesus has spent all this time teaching and caring for people and, and, and helping and healing people. And there comes a moment of decision where he says, now I need to go culminate my life in a symbolic wall of fire. He makes a decision to head to Jerusalem where he will be arrested and sacrifice his life for the sins of the world. And it's this profound moment that's documented here. It's actually in one other book of the New Testament, the book of Mark, right around chapter nine, where this decision is made. Let's take a look at it, and then we're gonna not only see how it can help us think about resolve that we need to have, but we're also gonna see the reactions to Jesus's decision. Here's what it says. It says, as the time grew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This first sentence is really interesting. As the time drew near for him, it seems like he knew this sense of urgency. You have that in your life where you're like, "It's coming up. This job's going to change. This relationship's going to change. I need to say something." I need to finally do something. Sometimes there's that internal clock where we know we need resolve. Jesus was like, the time was approaching, he knew it, and what did he do? He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now that phrase, resolutely set out for Jerusalem, uh, the oldest copies of the New Testament we have are written in the Greek language, and that phrase there is actually an idiom. Here's what it says literally. Jesus set his face to go. That's what resolve is. Resolve is where you're like, I got all this stuff going on. I need to do this. It's about focus. It's about when you direct your mind and your body and your energy because you have that decision to make. Now, that might be actually where some of the the first obstacles come up is that sense of focus. What does that look like? Here's here's a few obstacles, maybe you can relate to one or more of these when it comes to resolve. Here's the first one, tunnel vision. That's when we're like, I am focused and nothing else matters. Well, that's, that's not really good. That's not good balance in life. That's where you're like, I'm totally focused on work and your family is suffering. It's when you're like, I'm totally focused on this romantic relationship. I don't have time for faith or God. We get that tunnel vision and we're locked in and other things don't matter. See, Jesus, when it says he set his face toward Jerusalem, he was locked in to go to his death But then we later read that he would spend time with his family, and he spent time with his friends, and there were times where he rested. He was forward-facing, but he still had time for other things in his life. That's that balance we need when we have resolve. It's not all or nothing. And it might take some wisdom in that. I read a a great leadership book by a guy named Brandon Webb, and he was an ex-Navy SEAL. And this leadership book he talked about in, when he was a Navy SEAL, he needed to have total focus on his target, but he said, not to the detriment of situational awareness. I'm focused, but I'm also very aware of what's happening around me so that I know how to give my time and energy to those things. Here's a quote from his book. There's a point where work takes precedence, and whenever that point comes... You have to simply lock the doors and rivet yourself on getting the job done. You all relate to that? It's like, I just need to focus. And then there's a time when you have to shift your attention to your family, your kids, your girlfriend or boyfriend, your your circle of friends. Is tunnel vision where you struggle when it comes to resolve? Some of you have a great sense of resolve, but you end up being imbalanced, Here's another obstacle when it comes to resolve. Misalignment. This is when we're totally focused on the wrong thing. Right? We all have that. Maybe you're, you're not focused on getting healthy. You're focused on getting your body to look like this other person's body. Right? Maybe you're focused on getting Popular or being loved, and as a result, you end up compromising your values. Misalignment is not usually something that happens first. Usually, what happens is we have our focus in the right way, and then stuff comes up. And then we start kind of shifting and we get misaligned. In business, they call this mission drift. You're like, we are focused, here's our goal as an organization. And then over time, things come up, and then we end up being about a bunch of different things. This is actually something we work on really hard as a church. As a church, our focus is to be the kind of a church where people who are new to faith or maybe returning to faith, having been away or have negative experiences, could come back and begin growing in their faith. But it is very easy over a short period of time to begin losing that focus, and then we get into mission drift, and now we 're everything and sometimes when you 're everything you 're nothing. misalignment this is something that um, that people struggled with with Jesus. When you read the life of Jesus, you find people often wanted. Jesus to get more involved in politics. They would all bring up, they would bring up taxation issues, estate planning issues, legal issues, government issues. The people at the time were looking for a messiah, and the messiah was a human political leader who would overthrow the Roman government. So they were like, are you the one? Will you be our king? In fact, it was such a hot issue that when Jesus got arrested, They said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said this. He was like, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. They wanted Jesus to get more involved in politics, and he's like, "Mm, that's not my mission. I need to be aligned on my mission. And Jesus' mission was to communicate God's love and forgiveness to the world. Is misalignment something that you struggle with Are you misaligned right now in some of your goals and some of your mission in life? Here's another obstacle to resolve: fatalism. We talked about last week this idea of learned helplessness that sometimes we grow up having this idea, like, I I just I can't do anything. I have no power. It's not true. We all have power. We can all make decisions. Some of you are like that at your job. You're like, my job's terrible because I can't do anything. My boss won't let me do anything. You do have a decision. You can communicate clearly. You could leave your job. No one's powerless. I'm powerless in this relationship. No, you're not. I can't do anything in my spiritual life. I'm just kind of stuck. Fatalism is this passivity where we feel like we have resolved to some karmic factors that we have no play in. Jesus prayed that God's will would be done and then he just activated his faith and he did exactly what he knew he was supposed to do. Sometimes religious people spiritualize fatalism. We say, well, you know, I know this is what I'm supposed to do and if God wills it, I'll do it. But if this is what God wants you to do, then go do it. I think what I'm trying to say here is when we're trying to be a positive influence, if we're growing to be a positive influence, then we need to expect challenges. When you're pursuing good, expect challenges. I think I still fall into this romantic notion that when I know I'm supposed to do something, it will be clear I won't have any problem managing all the different parts of my life, it will be so lined up, I won't be misaligned, and the energy and time needed to accomplish it will magically appear. That's a romantic notion. (laughs) It's wonderful, but it's not reality. I think I dealt with all of the challenges that I mentioned as I was pursuing faith in my life. When I was growing up, Um, I was tunnel visioned in, I didn't grow up with church or the Bible or prayer or anything like that, but I was tunnel visioned. I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I wanted to write and direct and star in movies. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't have time for faith. I was tunnel visioned. I was also misaligned. Not only was I... Uh, The tunnel vision, it it was an okay thing. It just didn't include God. But I was also misaligned. I was pursuing things, and I developed some addictions early on in my life. I think a lot of it was me compensating for mental health issues. But as a result, I was pursuing unhealthy things that were actually destroying me. And then when people would bring up faith, I would be like, well... If faith is what's meant to happen to me, then it will. I ended up recognizing that there were these holes in my knowledge, holes about God and spiritual things and religion. That there were these pockets of empty space. And I went, wait a minute, I need to find out about this. And I began pursuing that. A friend invited me to church. I made the decision to go to church. Stepping into the church for the first time, that was like a wall of fire. I mean, I, I actually thought God would have a problem with me walking into a church. That maybe he would actually call down fire and destroy the place. We're not letting Jason in here. But I pushed through that. Much like a recovery meeting, your walk to church for the first time is the longest walk you'll ever have. And I walked in, and something began changing in me, and I was making choices to pursue and understand spiritual things, like all of you are doing, like some of you might be doing for the first time. It was that resolve. It wasn't just my resolve. I believe Jesus was behind that. What is an area of resolve in your life right now that Jesus is saying, come with me, let's walk forward? And I'd like you to do this. Consider how drawing closer to Jesus could help you with your resolve. Maybe you could talk to Jesus about that career change, that work decision, that project at school, that relationship, that health issue, Maybe you can talk to him. I had a friend come to me a while back, and he was like, I just don't think I believe in God. I was like, you should talk to God about that. (laughs) What would it be like to move forward? Maybe you could read this section that we're looking at today, reread it this week, and see see if something comes up. I find a lot of times I will open up the Bible, I will read a teaching of Jesus or a story from the life of Jesus, and then suddenly new thoughts and ideas start popping into my mind. And I think that's Jesus helping. Maybe you can surround yourself with God-influenced people and say, hey, here's a decision that's coming up. Could you hear me out as I kind of talk it out? And let me add one other component about the challenges that come when we have resolve, because um, we do have to e- uh, expect those challenges and invite Jesus in, but let me give you one more skill that can help you with the resolve, and it's, and it's a bit of a provocative teaching of Jesus. So, so put your seatbelts on. Look at what Jesus said. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and your feet. He goes on to say, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. A lot of fire today. We're talking a lot of it. I didn't... Pick that up. I didn't choose that for that purpose. Um, Jesus is not talking about self-mutilation. He's not even talking about physical amputation. He's talking about an idea that some have called the amputation principle. And what that means is there are times where we resolve to do something and we can't follow through on that resolve until we take radical steps to eliminate other things in our life. Some of you are stuck in your area of resolve and what is going to help you walk through the wall of fire is you need to delete social media and never get on there again. You say, well, that's, that's kind of, well, some, some of you are like, God, no. <laughs> but some are like, amen. You might think, well, that's kind of radical. Yeah, it is. And sometimes it's that radical step that's limiting you. Some of you need to get rid of the alcohol in your home and you need to go to 90 meetings in 90 days and you need to resolve to do whatever you can to create an environment where you never drink alcohol ever again. And you go, well, that's kind of extreme... You might be like some friends I know, they would be like, I can quit. I quit three times this week. You know, like, I get it. (laughs) Right? And it might not be needed for this person, but it is for you. There's somebody here, you need to amputate that adulterous relationship. You really want to take the next step in your life. But that is a wrong relationship. And you need to cut it out. You need to stop it. In fact, it's hindering you more than you realize. Some of you need to have somebody else manage your money for you. Either temporarily or permanently. Because you're overspending. It's a compulsive behavior. And you're like, well, that that, that seems kind of extreme. Yeah. I did that for a season. I was irresponsible with money. And so I decided not to have an ATM card and I would not carry cash. Somebody said, Well, what happens if you have to buy anything? Well, then I go home and I call up a friend and I say, You want to go to the store? You find a way to make it happen. Some of you need that filtering software on your internet, or you need to create a password that you don't know. That's amputation. Here's the idea. Opposition is a normal part of positive influence. If you want to be a positive influence, get ready for opposition. And the opposition comes from inside of us our own thinking, our own feelings, our own temptations. It also comes from the outside of us. That's what Jesus faced next. Let's go back to the story. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Look at the response. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is like, I'm headed to Jerusalem, and the people in the Samaritan village were like, we don't want you. Let me show you a map to kind of explain this a little bit. So Jesus is up here in Galilee, and he's going through this area of Samaria. Now, in the first century, Samaritan people and Jewish people, they had bad blood, like a long history of opposition politically religiously and ethnically so Jesus is up here and he's saying I'm going to go to Jerusalem and the people he goes into Samaria and the people in Samaria are like you're going to the Jewish religious capital of worship bro you're in the wrong neighborhood you should not you're not coming through here buddy they weren't necessarily even against Jesus They were against the group he belonged to. Sometimes people are against us. Sometimes they're against the groups we're in. They're against the political party. They're against your ethnic background. They're against your religious affiliation. Sometimes they have legitimate reasons to be against the groups that we're a part of. But Jesus pushed through on his mission. He kept going. He had oppression from people that were against him. He also had opposition from his own friends in a very unique way. So Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem. The Samaritans are like, you're not coming through here. And there's at least two disciples that were with him when he heard the Samaritans didn't want them there. It was his friends, James and John. And look at their reaction. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? (laughs) These are hardcore dudes. (laughs) A couple of hotheads. We have uh, information on James and John from the New Testament. They had a nickname. Their nickname was the Sons of Thunder. They're like, what do you mean you don't want Jesus? We're going to burn you guys up. Scorched earth on you guys. I think it's funny, too, the pride they had. They had such confidence in what Jesus would empower them to do. Like, they they really felt like they had the power to call down fire and, like, Sodom and Gomorrah the place. You know, like, we're going to destroy this place. Just say the word, Lord, and we'll call down fire. I mean, these guys are confident. And the funny thing is, they thought they had Jesus' back, but they didn't. This is how Jesus responded. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. It's, Jesus turned. So apparently Jesus was walking probably in front of them. And they were behind. And the Samaritans said, you can't come in. And James and John were like, hey, should we smoke them? And then Jesus turns. But notice that Jesus doesn't, it's, it's not like, hey, guys, chill out. Relax. It says he rebuked them. The language is, he turned around and he was like, you glory, cut it out. Stop it. These Samaritans... They have something against us, but some of their complaints are legit. We're not here to destroy them. We're here to show them God's love. You keep this up, I'm turning this car around, we're going back home, you know, like whatever. Like he was really upset with them. They weren't on his side. When we have resolved, there's gonna be opposition. There's gonna be people coming at us And we need wisdom. If you want to be a person of positive influence, you need to expect the challenges and, like Jesus, wisely bring others along with you. If there's people that are opposing you, they might be opposing you because of hurts in their life, choose goodness rather than retaliation. If you are focused on the good things and you're following in the right direction, choose forgiveness over resentment. It's so easy to put out all this energy to fight the people that are opposing you. Re-channel that energy into doing the good thing. And surround yourself with people who can continue to help you check your character. Surround yourself with people who can build you up without having to tear others down. Sometimes people are on our side, but they're on our side in the wrong way. They got their flamethrowers out for you on your behalf. I had this a few years ago in 2020, Everything was going nuts in the world and all the different news things and everything. And everybody has a different view about what was going on in 2020. And we had to make some challenging decisions as a church, as a team here. And it was rough. And there were some people on social media just saying the worst things I've ever, names I'm being called, the worst things I've ever been called. And I had some people come up to me and they were like, hey, we saw what people are saying about you. And we wanna let you know, we understand leadership is tough. We understand, we get it. This is a difficult time. And we just wanna let you know, we know you're trying your best, keep up the good work, leadership is hard. And I said, thank you so much. And they say, you know those other people? They're idiots and they should burn in hell. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. That, no, no, it's okay to have different opinions on stuff. It can be okay that we have very strong opinions we don't have to go scorched earth on other people. That is not the mission. Let's stay focused on the mission. And who in your life has been a person that has helped you have that resolve, that's helped you say, let's let, keep going, get through this. You're going through a tough time, keep going. And this week, you know what, would you uh, personally thank just one person that's wisely helped your resolve? And maybe you can come alongside somebody else who's facing that symbolic wall of fire. And you can say, hey, keep going. Keep going. Keep pushing through. I know it's tough, but, but that's part about being influential is, is you hit those walls. Keep going through it. You can do it. Here's what we talked about today. We can be a positive influence by pushing forward despite the obstacles. Two ways. Expect challenges when you're pursuing the good. And second, like Jesus, wisely bring others along with you. Let me share one last quote with you that's really helped me in the area of resolve in my life. It's from a, an author named Sam Chan who wrote a book called Leadership Pain. Here's what he said. You will grow only through the threshold of your pain. See, that's, that's, oh, that's too painful, All right, that's where your growth stops. If you're not hurting, probably not growing. It's like working out. If you're not sweating, if the muscle's not burning, you're probably not building muscle. That's how growth works. And comfort is the enemy of growth. If we want to be influential, we need to push through that wall of fire. It's safer on the other side. Now, let me close with this. Um, some of you are like, don't like that wall of fire analogy. That, I don't like that. That sounds, I'm afraid of fire. Don't wanna get burned. There's nothing inspiring to me about being encouraged to run through a wall of fire. Let me give you an alternate metaphor that I have found to be of great help. I saw this video online and it's the video of a family that's on vacation in a beautiful area and the dad wants to look over the edge of the cliff to see the view. The problem is he's scared of heights. Here's the video of the dad crawling his way. (laughs) To the cliff. It's like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. His family's laughing. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. He's trying to get all the way there. He's going to make it. So I'm going to cut it right here because you can go look it up on your own because he does make it and the look on his face is great, but he has to kind of drag himself to the end to see it. Whether you are pushing through the fire or crawling along the cliff, However you get there, it's worth it. Be a person of positive influence. Be a person of resolve. Let's finish the service with that. Would you all stand? And we're going to finish our service here together. I'm going to pray for us. Again, if you're with us for the first time, thanks so much for being here. Come back next week. We've got another great principle uh, to share with you from the life of Jesus. And if you want to know more about the church, you can head outside to our connections area. If there's something going on in your life, you're facing one of those walls of fire, you're dragging yourself to the edge of the cliff, and you want some support, some prayer, we have some wonderful people that'll be here after the service that would love to hear what you're going through and help you with it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for what you have for us this week. Some of us know exactly those walls of fire that we're facing this week. And and God, I pray that you would give each and every person here a sense of connection with you that will help them to push through the obstacles toward the good thing that you have for them. And God, some of us don't even see the wall of fire yet. But it might be advancing quickly. And when we see it, would you help us to remember that you're with us, that you love us, that you want to help us through all the obstacles so we can get to that place where you want us to be. Thanks for your love and grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great week.